In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. In fact, this is episode 30 of the show. We haven't titled it yet, but I'm sure Jerry and I will come up with with one. Uh, Very excited. By the way, I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers with my non-radio voice. Andrew, you always start the show with that. Hi, I'm Andrew. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yes. Um, we are joined today. I'm very excited about this. I'll, I'll talk about, about uh, uh, talking to folks at the Libertarian Christian Institute in a moment. But we're joined by uh, two folks with the Libertarian Christian Institute. Uh, one is Dick Clark. He is a staff contributor with LCI. Uh, we're also joined by Kerry Baldwin, who is, I believe, the digital media coordinator with LCI. Um, I know Dick has uh, uh, several different hats that he wears. He's a lawyer. He works for the Nebraska legislature. Carry multiple hats as well. Yeah, I actually also have my own website called MayorLiberty.com. Right. And uh, so I do my own my own research there. Some of it trickles over to LCI. And then I also teach uh, critical thinking courses online for middle schoolers, high schoolers, and adults. Well, that's awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. And I'm sorry, is it Mere Liberty or is it Mayor Liberty? Like I was wondering if it was the... Sorry, go Mere. ahead. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Mere Liberty. It's a, it's a playoff of... Uh, C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, this is... This is why, okay. by the way, we've never gone a show. I've never gone a show, even on my radio show, without mentioning C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Oh, now you've funny. done it. <laughs> now this is, this is good. And I was excited uh, to have you guys on. We started to have this conversation at Freedom Fest a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry and I have spent a lot of time talking about libertarianism and small little libertarianism. Um, I've talked about libertarians and Christianity. We've talked about libertarians and the issue of life and sort of my transformation on that issue over the course of many years. So I was at Freedom Fest, Jerry, and walking around, as you do, in the uh, exhibit hall. Uh, people and yelling, there's Andrew Langer. Thankfully, nobody did that. <laughs> um, um, you know, so just an inside joke for our listeners and for our guests. So every year at CPAC, the years that we've gone together, which is many, 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 many years, uh, Andrew does have an air about him when he walks and he, he, you know, has his pins and his, and his fancy jackets. And so what I would do sometimes is I'd walk ahead of him and, you know, it's crowded hall and I would yell, is that Andrew Langer? Yes. And people would be like, oh, oh. and Andrew would miss a beat. He'd be shaking hands and that was, that would, the whole thing. Especially on, on escalators, that, that would happen. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so I, I, this was not now it's admittedly, it's been, a number of years since I've been to Freedom Fest. I think it's been five years. So this was my first one since 2017. I do not recall seeing the Libertarian Christian Institute there before. Uh, had a conversation with <clears throat> with some of the folks there. Was very excited. Uh, was that 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 was not the first LCI appearance at Freedom Fest, was it? It was. Oh wow, yeah. that was our first appearance. Yep. So so let me. So let Andrew, me... just just for our listeners, yeah. don't tell 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 our listeners what Freedom Fest is. Oh, so Freedom Fest, uh, Freedom Fest is is a is an annual conference put on by a guy named Mark Skousen. It is probably the largest gathering of small L and and some large L libertarian thinkers. When I say large L, I mean libertarian party people, but also small L libertarian, free market limited government types. What I appreciate about it is the only it is the only purely uh, um, it, purely capitalistic conference out there, unabashedly capitalistic. So anybody who wants to get a booth there can get a booth there if they pay their their money uh, and exhibit. And not it's not to take anything away. 
Um, in fact, I think it's one of the merits of, of the event, but it's a great place to go and hear folks who are at the leading edge of free market, limited government, liberty-oriented thought that's, that's out there. Now, guys, to, to take a step back and sort of let's, let's start here, because I think I, I talked about this with some of the folks at the booth. Years ago, I hosted um, a couple of screenings of the movie Anne Rand and the Prophecy of Atlas Shrugged. This is before the, the, the uh, Atlas Shrugged movie itself came out. This was a documentary. And I was asked to, to go and host these screenings. And a number of objectivists came to one of the screenings. And afterwards, and I see Carrie smiling because I think she knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> I had a conversation with some of these objectivists in which they raised the issue of whether or not one can be a Christian and a libertarian. Now, certainly the objectivists, for the most part, um, they, are, they are not people of faith. And I took, obviously, great issue with that because I said, well, I'm Christian and I'm libertarian. Um, and, 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 and lots of discussion ensued. Now I've gone back and forth as to how I define myself. I'm, I think I'm more of a conservatarian now than a libertarian. We'll talk about ordered liberty. I know Jerry will want to ask about that, but talk about this debate within libertarian circles and whether or not one can be Christian and libertarian. Whoever wants to jump in there. So with Rand, of course, she also thought you couldn't be a fan of Mozart and be a libertarian, right? Because his music was, was inherently collectivist. And so, you know, I don't know if it was the Benzedrine talking or what, but, you know, <laughs> he also very infamously tried to instruct Murray Rothbard to divorce his beloved wife, Joey, because Joey was Methodist and believed in a, a deity. And so therefore was irrational and didn't have the capacity to be married to to Rothbard is is I believe how the story went and wow Rothbard took some offense to that suggestion to his credit uh, he was a loyal husband but uh, you know Rand wants to pack in a bunch of things as inherent to objectivism which is her fully formed theory of everything right and I, I'm not an objectivist uh, yeah. I've never read I've never read Atlas I read Fountainhead and that was about all I could bear in her fiction but. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people have arrived at libertarianism through her, and that's great. But of course, she called libertarians the hippies of the right. <laughs> and, uh, she did not consider herself a libertarian, and uh, nor did she feel that she had a personal affinity for libertarians. So I'm not sure that objectivists are the best uh, people to ask who qualifies as a libertarian. Sure. They're not. <laughs> well, let me add to that, because it's it's really interesting that Christian critics of Christian libertarians will appeal to Ayn Rand um, as the reason why Christians can't be libertarian. And so it's it's really strange. You get this from, from both sides, Christians and non-Christians, who say you can't be a libertarian because of Ayn Rand. And it's like, <laughs> Ayn Rand wasn't a libertarian either. So um, I would say, you know, this, this question about whether Christians can be libertarian really stems from a distaste that people have in their mouth for either Christianity or libertarianism. So not non-Christians uh, have some sort of bad experience with it. They see uh, Christianity as authoritarianism. Certainly in Christian history, we've got some, some black marks, um, you know, uh, with, with like the crusades, for example, sure. Uh, Christians have not always been well-behaved. And when we mix the church and government, we get really, really bad results. Um, on the Christian side, 
is the mistake to, um, or, or the mistake of confusing libertarianism with libertinism. Mm. Um, the idea that uh, libertarianism is just this license to do whatever the heck we want. Uh, and that's not the case, right? Libertarianism is based on the principles of self-ownership and non-aggression. And non-aggression, uh, the, the non-aggression prin principle is a limiting principle. It's saying what we can't do. Um, so I would say that that question, can Christians be libertarian really comes from a place of, um, you know, a, a distaste for, for one or the other, um, and not well-informed. And if I can piggyback off Please. of what, what Carrie just said. So the importance of distinguishing libertarianism from libertinism is really understanding that just because we distinguish vices from crimes, doesn't mean that we're advocating for the vices as like, oh, sure, good right. conduct that everybody yeah. ought to undertake. Right. And so it's, you know, the non aggression principle tells us when violence is justified, right? Uh, when there has been an act of aggression that warrants a, a defensive response, a forceful defensive response. So it doesn't mean that, oh, well, since no forceful response is justified. Therefore, that is upright and righteous conduct, right. right? Like you could be a terrible liar, which is a character defect. I think even uh, non-believers would tend to agree with that, right? If you're just a pathological liar, but lying doesn't necessarily violate the nap, right? Doesn't constitute aggression unless there's an element of fraud, right? Where you're, there's a, there's a property violation, but uh, we would still say that to be a good person, you can't just go that bare minimum of being just avoiding violations of the non-aggression principle. There are also these other things that make you a good person that are called virtues, right? And, and you should be virtuous rather than vicious. It's just that that distinction isn't one that implicates a violent response by other people. Jerry, you right. see why I wanted to have these folks on? Sure. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because Andrew and I have these conversations often on, on our radio shows, but also on the podcast. And that is like, for instance, um, Andrew and I were, were in, at least in D.C., even before uh, Teddy Olson and others uh, started to push the, um, the uh, same-sex same uh, uh, marriage uh, in politics and in law, uh, we, were, we were early adapters and saying, look, in a, free, in a free society, if two individuals want to organize their lives in such a way, uh, then so be it. However, uh, I don't have to consider it moral. I don't have to celebrate it. I, I, I should let you live your life in dignity and, and, and how you want to live your life. Uh, but the problem, uh, and, we, and we had this debate, Andrew and I, uh, when they, even before the Supreme Court in Maryland, they legalized a gay marriage, and I was opposed. And some folks said, well, you're, you're, being, you're contradicting yourself. You, you favor the, the, the principle of, of gay marriage, but you are opposed in practice, I said, well, no, not, not, not exactly, because in the state of Maryland, there were all these exceptions to it. So um, uh, it's the law of the state, except, uh, you know, uh, these religious exceptions. And I said to Andrew at the time, you were hosting a show, you were hosting a podcast, Andrew. And yeah. I said, I said, the problem is, is that the exception, uh, these exception clauses uh, are, 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 are means to say that you're still wrong in what you think. Yeah. 
And so therefore they would be, they would be used later uh, for issues like uh, transgenderism in our schools and all the rest of it. And, and what the left and also what, what my libertarian friends can't distinguish. And that is I can, I can think something's immoral, but not believe it should be illegal like divorce. You know, in my family, you know, divorce is not an option because we believe one man, one woman for life. Uh, And so (laughs) I married 30 years in February, as much as my wife wants to throw me out, I ain't going anywhere. Jerry, why do you hate divorce so much? Why do you hate divorced people? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I mean, I have I have aunts and uncles and cousins who are divorced. I don't want to make divorce illegal. But the fact that for the fact, you know, the fact of the matter is for, for, for how I live my life. A divorce is not something that is uh, that is morally acceptable. It doesn't mean I want it to be illegal. So how do you how, how do we have this conversation with our liberal friends or libertarian friends to say that we can have a certain moral code, but it doesn't mean that we want all of our moral code to be put into the legal code? Yeah. So libertarianism again, it's not a theory of everything you need to do to be a good person, right? It's just a theory of justice and. I think a lot of libertarians get trapped by these objections that amount to, well, you don't favor the central plan? Well, tell me your central plan. And, mm. and again, <laughs> our thesis is that that's impossible, right? That no one person can recite all of the nooks and crannies of, of how society is going to work in order for like human beings to flourish, right? Like our point is that markets involving a bunch of people conducting these sort of individual entrepreneurial experiments are going to discover that in their little lanes, right? But nobody's going to know the whole picture. And that's literally like part of the package, especially of the sort of strain of libertarian I am, which is an Austro-libertarian, right? That is informed by the Austrian School of Economics. And this idea of economic coordination, uh, our, our picture of that is a picture where no one person who's participating in that coordinating activity knows everything that everybody else is doing. And the beauty of it is they don't have to, and we can still flourish. But a lot of libertarians get put in this corner where it's like, oh, I got to explain how security is going to work and how courts are going to work. And I've got to explain every other facet of stuff the government does now and how that would look in a market environment that was totally free. And my answer is, well, actually, I don't believe I can predict all that perfectly well, well i think no, it, hold on hold on carrie before you before you get to that yeah. just so you know dick uh jerry and i worked with one of murray rothbard's mentees close students uh, a guy named rj smith for for many many years at the competitive enterprise now he's still rj still at the competitive enterprise institute but yeah so so you know i, I every once in a while we get regaled with tales of, of murray rothbard go ahead carrie i'm sorry about that No, it's okay. I was just going to say, I think it says a lot about um, our society that both the left and the right uh, first think of the state as the solution to any given problem. Um, My very first article that I ever published as a a libertarian was on the the question of of marriage and marriage licenses. This was, you know, this was way back in the day when they first started debating uh, the question. And my article was, was directed, well, it was directed at both sides, really. It was yeah. uh, to, the, to the Christians. I said, look, why are you propping this up as your sacred cow? Um, because a Christian marriage is a covenant between you, your spouse, and God. Right. And a marriage license is a contract between you, your spouse, and the state. And God right. is welcome to join if that's your, you know, if that's your, your bag, thing. baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to the other side, to the, to, the, to the gay marriage side, it was... 
look, a license is a permission. You are asking permission to have this relationship. Now, all of the benefits that come uh, come along with marriage licenses are things that can just be resolved through, through contract law. Exactly. Right? Um, and so there's really no there's really no reason if you believe this is your right. There's really no reason to be asking the state permission for this. Um, and from a Christian point of view, uh, there's no reason why Christians should be um, allowing the state to interject itself into marriage in this way. And you know, if we want to keep uh, those, um, those boundaries, you know, such that Christians don't have to, um, acknowledge gay marriage. Then what we do is we get the state out of the marriage license business entirely. Um, in fact, the marriage license business was, was started because the government didn't like interracial marriage and wanted to regulate it. Um, some of those exceptions, Jerry, that you mentioned allowed for child marriage in the United States. Um, so there's, there's some real problems, even from a Christian perspective, if we're going to, um, even talk about a, a positive view of marriage license, there's some real problems. Yeah. Well, another part of the history of marriage licenses is it was used for enforcement of church tax. And so Mm -hmm. you wouldn't, you would not be able to obtain the legal benefits of marriage unless you were square with the house. And and (laughs) remember there were you know, state established churches well into the early history of the United States. I mean, sure. you know, uh, Massachusetts had a, had a state religion and, and other states did too, well into the 19th century. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that the marriage sorry, license was, sorry, Jake, I was, was oh, going to yeah. make it, I was going to make it. It's the church of Nomar. Nomar. <laughs> the, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dick. You, you're yeah, dating yourself. No more has to be the shortstop in like I, over a decade. Well, yes, we're talking about ancient history. The state <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you're right. oh, very good. Very good. I'm sorry. See, I'm, an, I'm an Orioles fan, which means I don't like baseball. So, but it means you should you should be listening to WBAL. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, actually, let me let me pull, let me pull it back once again to the thirty thousand foot level for for a minute, which is sure. the issue of of. The, the perception amongst now, again, setting aside the objectivists. So what was your experience at, and I'm not that I want you to trash freedom fest, cause I don't think you would, but what's been the, the experience of with the folks at LCI with the greater libertarian movement, um, again, understanding the difference between libertarians and libertines. And when it comes to the big L libertarian party, there's been a massive debate. I don't know how involved you guys are, if at all, with what's been going on. But there has been a real push within the National Big L Libertarian Party um, for for sort of a, a greater acknowledgement of, you know, the, these cultural issues and 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 greater acceptance of, of Christianity. Uh, anyway, talk about how those things might might square. How is how is the LCI being perceived both within the movement and then the principles? How are they being perceived within the Libertarian Party as a whole? Yeah, I I want to say that LCI is a 501c3 so we don't we we don't endorse the Libertarian Party, we don't endorse candidates from the Libertarian Party, but we are interested in what's going on yeah. at, the, at the party level. Um <clears throat> to answer the the first question, uh I think we were actually pretty well received Good. at Freedom Fest. Uh, um and this sort of this this animosity towards Christians being libertarian, I would say is starting to die down. Um, you still get, 
you, you still get the odd atheist or the odd um, hyper-conservative David Barton kind of Christian constitutionalist who will, you know, challenge us on that or the, or the Al Mohler fanboy who <laughs> that's an inside joke for, sure. for Christian libertarians, but uh, you still get that to some degree. Um, and maybe, I don't know if this will be the case. There might be some pushback over the next, um, election cycle, just because there's a lot of conservatives who really want to get the Democrats out, which is, I mean, that is the case every year, but we've got some incentives, some particular incentives giving, given the last two years with the, the lockdowns and such, um, that they might just fall back into their old argument of, oh, voting for a libertarian is, is throwing your vote away. Um, but generally speaking, I'd say that we're, we're much better received. Um, in fact, one of my experiences uh, was speaking to, I, I walked up to the, um, to the booth uh, decriminalizing sex work. Uh, mm. They were adv- advocates for, for that. And I introduced myself as you know, Carrie Baldwin from the Libertarian Christian Institute. And they sort of held their breath for a minute because they were expecting me to lay into them. Um, and we had a, we had a very pleasant conversation and I think it was just uh, a a great opportunity to see that, that there wasn't animosity there. We had some, you know, some principled disagreements on, on certain things, but we had agreements on other things. Same thing with the atheists for Liberty. Um, You know, they were there (laughs) And, uh, that was interesting, but no animosity. So they weren't um, at the booth right next to yours, which is you know, it's, how it's, I would have no. organized. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. You say that because, um, my wife and I are very eng- engaged in the pro-life movement and have been for years. And, and, uh, we've been to the right to life March in January, uh, year after year after year. And our, <laughs> our favorite group is always the atheist for life. Um, mm-hmm. they're just a fun group. And you'd think too, there's th- that, um, that there'd be some non-acceptance there or unacceptance there. And it's, it's just not true. Yeah, no. And um, uh, as far as, as far as that's concerned, wh- one of the first things that sort of um, started to challenge my perspective, even on the abortion issue was learning that there were non-Christian pro-lifers. Um, <laughs> I, I met a, I met a Wiccan woman who was, who was pro-life <laughs> and we had a, we had a great, very interesting conversation. Uh, um, but I've always wanted to meet a warlock, country. though, Andrew. I have, I've yet to meet a warlock. <laughs> the, the but, but, you know, but it's interesting you say that, Carrie, because, you know, just sort of leading into the, the life issue, um, I was, uh, you know, so when I was in my 20s, I read David Bose's Libertarianism, a primer. And it was a book that changed my life because I sort of, I, I it put a label on, like the libertarians I knew in college were crazy. Um, and, and, and sort <laughs> of, re- yes. And, and reading <laughs> David's book, I went to the book signing. So, so and, by the way, so are the young Democrats and young Republicans, by the way. Yes, They're all crazy. Yes. <laughs> but but the but the but the libertarians at William and Mary were particularly crazy. So right. but the point is that I, I said, okay, well, here's a label for what it is that I believe. And it, I didn't agree with David with everything. And I have been raised in a progressive environment in New York, secular progressive environment in New York. And um, and then I I heard about this guy and Jerry knows who I'm going to talk about. I don't know if either of you, uh, uh, Carrie and Dick have ever heard of a guy named Murray Sabrin. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, Dick has. New Jersey. So, so yeah, New Jersey. That's right. Yeah, Professor yeah. at Ramapo and has run for office several times. Yeah. And, and he was running for governor. Of, orbit. Yes. yes. Uh, okay. 
And he he ran for governor in the 90s and he was running as a pro-life libertarian. I never heard of this before. And so I emailed David Bowes at Cato and I said, hey, David, can you explain this to me? He goes, well, if you believe in the non-aggression principle and you believe that the fetus is a person, then ergo, because a fetus is a person, therefore the person has rights and you can't initiate violence against them. And it was a whole bunch of things. I'm like, you know something? That makes sense to me. I mean, setting aside mm -hmm. the moral side of it, from a from a libertarian perspective, that argument is logical to me, mm -hmm. and I, I am I am always fascinated by the fact that more libertarians don't adhere to this, even if they are atheists or you know secular or whatever. Uh, you know, what are your both of your thoughts on this? Well, the uh, the organization Libertarians for Life uh, was started by Doris Gordon, who was an atheist. Uh, um, so. Uh, that was that whole conversation. Her and uh, her take was about working out um, a libertarian view of women's rights and children's rights that that could be reconciled. And actually, I have an article on uh, on LCI's website uh, that talks about something like the Libertarian Party is now silent on abortion. And I go through the history of the uh, abortion plank in the Libertarian Party platform. And I show that number one, there has never been a, uh, a consistent position in libertarianism on the question of abortion. Uh, and two, part of the reason why is because libertarians do believe to one degree or another in children's rights, and they just haven't been able to reconcile the two. And if you look at the history, which I give in that article, you can, you can see the tension and the back and forth um, with that. So where, you know, as far as libertarianism is concerned, the, the real question at stake is whether the principle of self-ownership extends to a right to abort or not. Mm. Uh, um, and this is where my area of research is in. This is what I'm, I'm working towards is a, is a theory of reproductive rights that actually reconciles women's and children's rights. Mm. Wow. And, and in our book, uh, we'll say Carrie was the principal author of the chapters on this topic of abortion. I mean, we all chipped in on editing the different parts of the book, but she was definitely the, the driving force behind those chunks. Uh, to the general sort of cultural question that you were posing about the LP and where Christian libertarians fit in. Sure. I'm a former state party chair, Libertarian Party of Alabama, run for office a couple of times as a libertarian back when I was in Alabama. I'm in Nebraska now, but uh, I, you know, there, we had a warlock on the executive board for the Libertarian <laughs> you know, Party Jerry, of Alabama. I keep on thinking of on Bewitch, uh, the uncle who was the warlock. Yeah, Paul well, he had changed his name. The guy's name was Freeman. So he was, he was one of those types of libertarians. He made oh, he his first name to Freeman. So a judge would have to address him that way or something. But anyway, um, I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Now in that context in Alabama, you know, there were Christian libertarians around then. And like I said, I went from being a, a district executive to a, you know, to the state chair. And so I don't feel like there's ever been a time, at least in the last 20 years, where there hasn't been a seat at the table in the LP for Christians. But I will tell you that, of course, over the last year, we've seen a big change in the national leadership for the Libertarian Party, with the Mises caucus really driving just a sort of a pur you know a purge of the people in on the LNC. Got it. And a lot of the people in hired positions at the national party. 
Well, Dick, I'm sorry. I don't want you to gloss over this. Talk about this a a little bit because it gets into, you know, where the Libertarian Party had become a refuge for folks who were sort of distaff in the other two major parties, you know, uh, Gary Johnson. Yeah, so there's always been, you know, these different categories of Libertarians if if you define them based on where they came from, right? And so there's uh, Wilton Alston wrote an article on Strike the Root a long time ago about uh, what he called pre-cons and pre-libs. So people who had previously been conservatives or previously been liberals. And there have always been those origin stories, if you will, for almost all libertarians, right? Sure. Now they're like, maybe they're more natural born libertarians, but uh, <laughs> free range libertarians. Well, I, I'm still trying to figure out how William Weld is a libertarian, but that's, well, that's, a, that's a different show. No comment. Yeah, if you <laughs> the word differently, it becomes easier to include him in it. But, uh, yeah, so I think that you, on the one hand, you always had sort of like the belt pack full of pocket constitution, tricorn hat wearing, sort of <laughs> like what, what uh, uh, Kerry was talking about, the sort of constitutional conservative types. And then you've also had at the other extreme, like the star child type libertarians who dress in spandex with fairy wings and are running for school board while working as male courtesans in San Francisco or whatever, right? And so, uh, and, and the reason they're able to inhabit the same conference room is because the common ground is, hey, none of us want to use violence against each other based on these non-aggressive decisions about how we're going to choose to live our life. Now, more recently, you know, and, and Murray Rothbard d- described these sort of cosmopolitan or beltway libertarians, and mm. that's still a a category that's worth talking about because there's a lot of people uh, maybe in the Cato Institute orbit and in that sort of beltway libertarian world who are embarrassed of Christian, you know, like social conservatism and the, these sorts of social values. And so have worked to marginalize them within the LP. And we see people who fled the party after the Mises takeover or whatever in Reno uh, still posting things like I saw Daniel Fishman posted the other day about how terrible it was that somebody uh, who was part of this Mises caucus takeover objected to they them pronouns for God as they saw on a banner posted in front of some church and how non-inclusive that was and you see how terrible these people are and it's like what they really mean is they don't think you should be able to be in leadership in the libertarian party if you're a Christian. Hey, let me, uh, and that's on. problem to me. That, that's bigoted. Dick, <laughs> yeah. One of the things, hold on, hold on, Jerry, before we get, because Dick, talk about this, because I, I one of the things, one of the, I'm going to say this, Jerry, one of the very few valuable pieces of advice I got from a program director was you can't assume that the audience knows what you're talking about. Yes. Talk about the Mises caucus, because okay. I, I'm sure Jerry doesn't know. I know what you're talking about, but explain to our audience what the Mises caucus <laughs> takeover okay, is. Okay, so- But of course, Jerry doesn't know. <laughs> in the world of the Libertarian Party, there yeah. are people that are objectivists. There are people that are sort of from this Austrian school of economics uh, worldview. Uh, and then they're, like I said, a constitutional conservative, lots of other categories. Yeah. And so the Mises caucus is named after Ludwig von Mises. And really more directly, it's a reference to the Mises Institute and sort of, like I said, the orbit of people that exist around that organization that publishes books and promotes Austrian economics and has a bunch of conferences every year. Uh, and so the Mises caucus takeover was in a lot of ways a pushback against this cosmopolitan sure. beltway libertarianism that is more about sort of adopting the social values du jour. I'm going to say this. Yeah. Jerry would call those people the useless libertarians, right? Jerry, <laughs> that's what, Jerry, when you talk about useless libertarians, that's really what you're talking about, isn't it? 
Yes. Uh, okay. th- those that the left is able to use as a cudgel uh, yeah. to push back on 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 good ideas. Uh, just a, as, a, as, a, as an aside, as a, <laughs> I'm struck by this, the um, the Christian libertarian who opposed the they them reference to God. Yeah, I have a problem with the pronoun they them for a single individual because it's just bad grammar. My wife's an editor. So yeah. then then use a plural for a singular. But with God, them is them works, yeah. especially if you're a Christian, because it's it's you know, it's, uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, uh, you know, they they existed. Uh, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy All Spirit. Right. So it's kind of just a kind of funny aside that them. Yeah. Kind Elohim of is God. plural, right? No. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Sorry, I'm sorry. Well, and and sometimes there's a discussion about whether that is an instance of what we would call the royal we. Sure. Uh, <laughs> go down a linguistic rabbit hole. Yes, 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 yes. Feature of the English language. It's actually a feature of many languages where the first person plural was used in a majestic sense, not necessarily right. meaning a true plural in more than one. Although it could you know, be both, of course, in the case of the divine. Well, and it, I would yeah. say that the, the the Christian objection it really comes from what does God refer to Himself as? Right, I know, I know, always, I know. Yeah. I was just being cute. So, I was just oh, being I, cute. Yeah. So, at any rate, but you no, know, it's, I, it's, it's funny too in terms of uh, of, and again, this is this is not thirty thousand feet. But sometimes you'll get into a conversation with someone who thinks they're a libertarian. There, there are many. I mean, I've met like my. I have two daughters, older daughters who are in their tw- uh, in their twenties, and they have lots of friends. And you ask them. Well, you know, hey, you get, you get into a political discussion. Well, you know, Mr. Rogers, I'm a libertarian. But then you kind of dig down and they're not libertarian. They're libertine uh, or have uh, or they might be fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. And therefore, they're they're They are they are um, they yeah. are they are libertarians. But here but here's a, a, a funny discussion I get into. Both my girls go to Catholic University. So often theology is a is a topic of conversation. And we get to some of these controversial issues like abortion or like uh, same sex marriage. And I get a lot. I get very often uh, they'll say, well, you know, Mr. Rogers, that's in the Old Testament. And really, Jesus never spoke to these things. And my response is always, well, who do you think was present in, in, in Genesis? Right. If I mean, right, because Christ always, always existed. And so mm-hmm. if if Jesus was present at 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 at, at creation, and he created them, you know, male and female. And then, you know, the whole Old Testament really, or the whole scripture is really, it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a marriage story. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting mm-hmm. how, how we kind of pick and choose, um, pick and choose what we believe often because we don't know any better. Well, I would say, you know, <clears throat> the, the predominant view uh, of Christianity for the past several decades has been evangelicalism. And right now, evangelicalism is going through a deconstruction, right? You have a lot of evangelicals. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of people raised in evangelical homes are now leaving the faith. And I would say that part of the reason why that is, is because there was, um, there, there was sort of an, an abandonment of, of good doctrine, Mm. you know, doctrine became a dirty word. So if you talk to Christian, talk to the average evangelical about Christ, they think red letters in scripture, right? Wherever there's a red letter in scripture, that's where Christ speaks. Um, They don't understand the Trinity. They don't understand um, 
you know, the, the, the reference to the word made flesh, they don't understand, you know, yeah. that, that Christ was there in the beginning they, they, yeah. because they, they abandoned good doctrine. You know, it's funny. I've always said, I'm sorry, Andrew, just real quick. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm raised Catholic and, um, and Orthodox Catholic. And, uh, but we, uh, but, but through the years, uh, God took us out of the Catholic church and my wife and I and our children uh, have been attending the assemblies of God uh, for two decades. But I always say that uh, the worst thing about the Catholic Church is uh, our Catholics, and the worst thing about the evangelical movement are evangelicals. And if you would, if if you kind of, because the Catholic Church does have good doc- doctrine or has clear doctrine, mm-hmm. and if you would kind of swap and allow for that kind of 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 uh, discipline within the evangelical church. Uh, things would be better off, but I'm sorry. I, I just yeah. real quick. I, by the way, this is why I wanted to have you guys on specifically for this discussion and, and for Jerry, because this is the kind of discussion that Jerry gets really into. I, I get into it as well. Yeah, but also with uh, Andrew and he's like, Jerry, shut up already. No, 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 no. I'm just saying this is, this is so, yeah, it, this is so just so y'all know, uh, Jerry, Jerry taught at a, at a Catholic boys school. He taught at Catholic ah. boys high school for, for a few years. So right? Jerry's Jerry's Catholic. Andrew, I was raised, I was raised, you were Catholic, raised Catholic. Yeah. So, so I was your... raised, I was raised in a, in a, essentially a secular progressive household, mildly progressive. I mean, my mother, my, my stepmother was a hippie, um, uh, culturally Jewish. <laughs> um, but then I came to faith, uh, in, in my forties, um, uh, late thirties, early forties, my wife and I started attending an evangelical Presbyterian church and I loved it and, mm. and, and came to faith, uh, that way. So, you know, it's anyway, that, that's, that's, so I'm, I'm Lutheran. Well, I was raised Lutheran. I'm uh, Presbyterian now, Calvinist now. Huh. Um, Dick, what, what's your background again? It's Baptist, isn't it? Yeah. So my parents met at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and uh, I grew up in Southern Baptist churches. And I was a member of a congregational church, New England Congregational, not UCC. Uh, in Boston while I was uh, in law school. And uh, I'm a deacon and a Sunday school teacher at a Southern Baptist church here in Lincoln now. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, it was, it was one of those things where I did not want for me for Sundays, like Sundays were mine and Saturdays, I would sort of take the kids and go off and do stuff and let my wife sleep in. Um, But Sundays were sort of my day to sleep in. And my wife, who was in the military for many years, uh, my wife came back from a deployment and said, Hey, I want to start going to church. I started going to church again while I was in, um, while I was deployed. And I said, you know, something sure we'll go. And, and it was the right church with the right people at the right time. Um, started uh, uh, doing Sunday school classes where we were learning, reading uh, RC Sproul's work. I don't know if any of you are familiar with mm-hmm. RC Sproul, but I, I loved his writing, still love his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and that sort of, began my, my journey down that road. Um, anyway, but yeah, so this is, this is why I wanted to ha- have you, have you guys on, um, to sort of, sort of, so talk a little bit about the work that LCI does sort of the reach, um, um, how, you know, you're a 501c3 organization, which means you're a, uh, education and research organization. Uh, talk about that mission, the work that you guys do. And also, if you don't mind, your, your, your issue set, what, what, what are the main topics, the main issues that you address? Yeah, so <clears throat> we're an ecumenical organization, um, and so we represent uh, several you know, theological uh, distinctions. 
Um, we, the, the only caveat is that, um, uh, you know, those who are, who are contributors, those who are, um, on staff, uh, uh adhere to the ancient creeds. Uh, so Nicene creed, for yeah, example. Okay. So we're creedal, um, uh, ecumenical. And as far as the issues that, that we talk about, these are, these are issues that, that are going to be important to Christians. There are issues that are important to libertarians. I'd say that one of our main goals is to educate Christians about good economic theory, about good political theory, um, how those are expressed in libertarian theory, and that uh, libertarian theory is the best expression of Christian political thought. Um, but we also exist to let the uh, non-Christian libertarian world know that we are not um, we are not your typical faith-based political action sort of uh, sort of organization. Uh, in fact, that was one of our goals with going to Freedom Fest was to really differentiate ourselves um, as an organization. We're not your standard faith-based. Oh, we just need. <laughs> we just need Jesus in this country and, sure. and, and everything will be solved. Um, so I'd say that that's, that's the aim. We talk about uh, a number of different perspectives and topics. In fact, if you, if you drop down that, that topics menu, you'll see um, some of the topics that we discuss regularly. Yep. Yep. So by the way, so I, I've, uh, uh, was always our menu here that was supposed to come up and I missed it. No, no, this is it. No, it, Those I of you who are listening instead of watching, I've pulled up the Libertarian Christian Institute website, which is Libertarian Christians, plural, libertarianchristians.com. Um, then I've just pulled up the topics page. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carrie. So, yeah, you can see we've got, uh, you can sort it by topics on abortion, taxation, patriotism, democratic socialism, marriage, war, <clears throat> pacifism, wealth. These, these are, these are topics that, that we have a plethora of, of articles on, and we speak frequently on real, real quick. I'm going to interrupt for a second. So the, Jerry, this is one that's, that's right for you. Um, as we all know, Jerry, <laughs> Andrew's like my dad. Yes. <laughs> uh, Weekend insights. This is by Dr. Norman Horn. The FDA is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I love this anyway. Um, so I'm sorry, Dick, I know you wanted to say something as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say there's broadly like two filing cabinet drawers for stuff that Libertarian Christian Institute does. One is just, hey, what would be a, a sort of uh, analysis of some leading issue that's a topic of conversation among Christians or in the news cycle, right? What's the Libertarian Christian angle on that? Okay. So that's, that's, one drawer in the filing cabinet. And the other one really goes to what we were talking about earlier, which is just explaining the intersection of the idea of liberty and the idea that you'd be sold out to Jesus Christ, right? And why those things are compatible and defending against attacks from both directions, right? Both the people who are liberty people who aren't Christians, who, sure. who take and have a problem with Christianity, and then the Christians often because they see this, sure. who have a problem with libertarianism, you say, no, actually, not murdering people is not only a good idea for like economic flourishing <laughs> and stuff, but we're commanded by the creator of the universe not to do it, right? right. Uh, we're, we're commanded by the creator of the universe not to steal. It's not just a, a human invented social convention that we call property, right? Yeah. And so there are these, not, not merely moral imperatives, but imperatives that are a matter of justice, 
that we've got an instruction book about, right? That tells us as Christians, look, I have to live uh, according to, you know, the way that my master has told me to live, right? Or else I'm rebelling against him. Now, that's not how I get saved, right? It's not through works, but works are going to naturally flow sure. from a regenerate heart. And we have scripture because God wanted to give us a little bit more detail than just, you know, intuition and, and uh, you know, individual special revelation through the spirit, right? He gave us an instruction book to understand how to apply these things in mm -hmm. life. And it's things like, paying somebody the wages that you agreed to pay them, right? Uh, not trying to cheat somebody on how heavy that ounce of gold is or how heavy that measure of, of wheat is, you know, things like that. There, there's meat on the bones there to explain how we operate in a world with other people and, and act in a way that's righteous and shows them the love of the creator right, and his justice. When I, when I, when I was younger, um, you know, so I, I grew up uh, uh, in New York City, uh, not far from Andrew was uh, on the other side of the track, so to speak. We both grew up in the Bronx. He was, though, in Riverdale. I, was, I, I grew up in the South Bronx, um, Catholic school. And, uh, and a, lot of what, a lot of what I was taught as a boy um, uh, was visceral, was, uh, was, uh, uh, was gut instinct for my parents because they didn't. Uh, we had the, we, and again, we had the Catholic church and we had, we had, we had the church. We had, we had the church and we had my father's kind of gut instinct. And I remember I'm getting somewhere. I remember driving on the cross Bronx expressway when I was a kid. And in those days, in the early eighties, it was burnt out building at the burnt out building at the burnt out building. And I'm like, dad, what happened here? Like, why? Like, wh why is this like this? Why, why three blocks from where we live uh, are there burnt out buildings and, and all the rest of it. And he said, my, my father's simple answer was the politicians, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he, he was more explicit than that. He explicit. He said at one point, he said, he said, you know, politicians, these damn liberals is what he said. But anyway, so I, that was my political upbringing. Uh, the church, on the other hand, was different. You know, we went to, we went to mass, we, we belonged to a parish. And then later on, we went to the assemblies of God, which was, which was a, a big, uh, you know, a, a, a big part of our lives. Uh, but it wasn't until I picked up, and this is the question. It wasn't until, it wasn't until I was a teenager uh, uh, early, uh, right before college, I picked up Chuck Colson's um, uh, Kingdoms of Conflict. And it, it, that was the beginning of my political um, uh, awakening. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea of being, uh, of being a person of faith, being a, a, a citizen of the kingdom, but also uh, uh, interacting and living here as a, as a good citizen. And it seems to me that's what you're doing at the, at the Libertarian Christian Institute. You're you're um, you're explaining how to, or you're giving insight into how to be both a citizen of of the kingdom of God, the king, and 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 also being a good a good American citizen. Is that is that make sense? Yeah, I would say so. We we do talk um, a lot, especially in the book, about um, our relationship to the to the kingdom of God and how that uh, relates to our actions now. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, I, I tell you why, if you don't mind, mm -hmm. I don't have a copy of the book. I'll get a copy and I'll do a book review and, we'll get, we, and we can put it up on real clear books and culture. I'd like to do that. Uh, I can send you a signed copy if you'd like it. I, I would like that. And then just give me, give me a, give me a couple, three days to read it and, sure. and make some notes and then, uh, we'll put it up on real clear books and culture and then I'll send you the link. I'm, yeah. I'm going to share, I'm going to share it right now. Share the screen. This is faith seeking freedom, correct? That's right. Yes. Uh, and, and anyway, you can, you can get the book on the, on the Libertarian Christian Institute page, 
uh, libertarianchristians.com. But and, uh, and also, uh, Carrie, I'm happy to buy the book too. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I so, so don't know where. I mean, you, I, 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 I'm you, happy. You, you can do it your you wish. It's your choice. <laughs> but the offer's there. I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't want to. I'm not looking for a free book. I just, I, I, I want to read it and I want to do a review of it. Yeah, Gary's just got the spiritual gift of hospitality. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I do want to say one thing that I love, especially about Austrian economic theory. Um, I'd say libertarian theory does this as well, especially if it's informed by by Austrian economic theory. But one thing that Austrian economic theory does is that um, it looks at nature and it deduces facts from from what it observes. This is. This yeah. is a different way of, of doing science than, you know, most science is done through inductive reasoning. Austrian economic theory uses deductive reasoning, uh, which is just to say, um, if, if there's a pattern in nature, then we consider that somewhat of a natural law, right? Mm, sure. Um, and for Christians, you know, you have, uh, two different kinds of revelation. You have special revelation, which is in scripture. And then you have general revelation, which is uh, the fact that nature speaks to the existence of God. Right. And so when we look at some of these things in scripture that we would say support uh, libertarian ideas like um, private property ownership, that sort of thing, um, we can see in nature that how that bears out. Um, and so we're not just we're not just saying this is how we would like it to be. This is our our utopian idea of how society should look like. We're saying this is how nature works, um, and if nature works this way, it's because God created that that order. God created it to work that way, and we can we can see evidence of it. Yeah. Um, and general re revelation is something that believers and non-believers can can um, assent to the truth of. Right. You don't you don't need a uh, a you don't need to be a Christian to understand that murder is wrong or that theft is wrong or that enslavement is wrong. Right. Um, we we can see that from from nature. We can see that intuitively in ourselves. We don't want people to steal or murder us. Uh, um, and so really what what we're doing at LCI is bringing those two things together. We're showing yeah, this is what the Bible says, yep. and this is how it bears out in nature, and it's observable, and there's a science behind it, and and this is the science. Sounds a lot like C.S. Lewis, right? C.S. Lewis said things like, um, the, the, the spark of the divine is, is innate, and there's proof of it in, in terms of how we treat each other. Like, for instance, no culture anywhere uh, uh, praises the person running away from battle. Mm -hmm. Every culture in human history praises yeah. the, the the praises valor, praises the man who goes into or woman who goes into danger, or or our innate sense of that's not fair. Like mm -hmm. we have this, you know, a cu cultural understanding of what fairness is, and that's evidence that God exists. Yeah, yeah. So Romans two fourteen and fifteen is the scripture citation for this idea, right? That e even as they characterized it in the Greek New Testament, the Gentiles don't have the written law. Mm -hmm. but just by nature, the things that are required to flourish as a human being in this world, you learn something about God's law, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and now there's not the detail and there's not the, the relationship story that you get through scripture, right? But, but yeah, you can, you can see things. It's just self-evident 
that this is, there are certain conventions like not murdering each other and letting people sort of store away things for the winter that thieves aren't constantly carrying away, you know, that are just necessary for human flourishing and people can derive those from experience. Yeah. Love it. Well, listen, uh, Dick Clark and Carrie Baldwin, you've been incredibly generous with your time today. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Uh, again, the, the it's the Libertarian Christian Institute. It's Libertarian Christians, plural, libertarianchristians.com. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us.